the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi, everybody. Ron Geyer with End Time Insights. Welcome back. This will be our third week teaching on the church at Philadelphia. We should be able to get it finished today. We're going through the seven churches in the seven letters in the book of Revelation. Uh, The introduction, chapter one, then the first four churches in chapter two, and then the last three in chapter three. And I think what I'm going to do then, rather than go into chapter four when we're done with Revelation, is a couple of topics I'd like to discuss for a few weeks. They seem to be hitting me right in the face. They're confronting me, and uh, I think I'd like to talk about suffering. I think I'd like to speak on salvation, and I definitely want to talk about the sovereignty of the Lord. So I may take three weeks and do three shows on that just to get it together. You know, the apostasy, the apostasy, you could sum it up as it is an assault on truth. Uh, Within the church, the apostasy is an assault on biblical truths. Like for years, the world understood that God was sovereign, but all of a sudden, that's under assault. The church had been called to not only mental suffering, but physical suffering as well, emotional suffering as well, suffering on every plane. And yet all of a sudden, that truth is under assault. So I would like to go back to the Bible, open up scriptures and see what that talks about, see what the Bible has to say about suffering and about salvation and about sovereignty. And then, of course, the apostasy is not just limited to the church. It's an assault on truth in the entire earth and basic truths, man and a woman. Now we've got as many sexes as we want. Now you can choose your sex, which is asinine. These are basic truths that have been established in our society for the entire reign of mankind, 6,000 years. Now they're under assault, and that is the apostasy. So don't be tricked. Don't be deceived when you see these narratives going, when you see these discussions going on by our political idiots that are running our nation. You can understand exactly what it is. It's been written. This is going to happen. This is called the apostasy, where there are uh, assaults on truths that have been around for centuries. Okay, I drifted. I'm coming back. The Church of Philadelphia, part three. We left off at verse... 9, finish that. I want to talk. There's verse 10, there's 11, there's 12 and 13. I shouldn't have any trouble getting done with these. Verse 10, he's talking to the church at Philadelphia. Remember the church at Philadelphia? It was the church of opportunity. They were on the post road, the furthermost eastern extremity, right into Asia. And just as the Greeks were using that trade route to promote Greek culture to Eastern Asia and then Western Asia, so too... Did Jesus call that an opportunity for the church? Verse 10, because thou has kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell on the earth. 
kept the word of my patients. This is something that they did. The Church of Philadelphia took the word of God seriously. These were no haphazard band of outstanding, out of the mainstream, hit or miss Christians. These were men and women of God, boys and girls of God, who recognized when they gave their hearts to Jesus Christ, it was going to cost them. It was going to cost them perhaps their jobs, their popularity, maybe even their lives. They understood that, and they were willing to make the commitment to to serve Christ, and that is so wonderful. We need people like that today in our churches that no matter what happens, they are willing to stand up for Christ. Jesus congratulates them. Why? Because they kept the word of his patience. Hallelujah. Here Jesus is saying that you have been responsible with the word. I entrusted it to you and you stood guard over it like a band of soldiers. I love it. Rick Renner writes it like this. How about you? Are you holding on to the Bible as it was taught you? I'm interjecting here. That's under assault too now. The Bible as it was taught you. We need to be so careful. Rick Renner, back to you. Are you holding on to the Bible as it was taught to you? Or have you found yourself mitigating the Bible because society around you is changing? Society has pressured you. It's caused you to change what you believe. Not the Philadelphians. Oh, no. They kept the word of God. They maintained it like soldiers who hovered over the word of God. And that's what God is calling you to do, too. Hover over the word of God by faith, Rick Renner. Whatever we invest in God's word, however, whatever we give to God... God always gives back to us. He will always invest back in us. You know, we give something to God because he's promises, whatsoever man shall sow, that shall he also reap. You know, God watches out for us. He is faithful to us. He cares about us. The Bible says right here, because thou hast kept the word of my patience. Well, because you have done this, I am going to do that. He reacts to our efforts. I also literally means me too. And the most important aspect of that is it's a reflex response by God to what we do. So oftentimes, you know, like he says, give and it shall be given unto you. If I give, then God's going to give back to me. He's not obligated to, except for the fact that he said he would. But I am the one that dictates the response to the written word of God. He is honor bound to give back to me when I give to him. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about time in the prayer room. I'm talking about helping your neighbor go grocery shopping. Maybe they're locked in with COVID. I'm talking about just being a blessing, being a Christian, being a good Samaritan to the people that God brings across your path. So whatever we invest in God's word, whatever we give to God, he will always invest in us. He is faithful. I also literally means me too, because you're going to do this. I'm going to do it too. I'm going to get on board. And the most important aspect of it, it's the God's automated reflex response to what we do because he wrote that he would do it. The same way in which you have protected my word, says the Lord, is the same way that I am going to protect you. You keep my word, I will keep you. Well, what's he going to keep us from? Go back to verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. Not only from the hour of temptation, but it's the hour of temptation which shall come upon all of the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. In the Greek temptation, the word is perasmos, and it means an outside source that comes to put pressure on you. Its purpose is to ultimately crush or destroy you. That's the hour of temptation that Jesus says he will keep us from. Actually, the better translation of that word is he will keep us out of it. In the Greek, temptation is perosmos, and it means an outside source that comes to put pressure on you. And he says, keep, I will keep or guard you. It's tereo. 
but it is followed by the preposition in the Greek, ek, ek. Ek means out of. Ecclesiastes, the church, out of for the world, out from the world. Well, he's going to take us out of the temptation that's coming to try the entire world. Those who believe that we will be going through the hour of temptation change that EK to EN, which means to keep us in something. No, 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 no. We will not be in the hour of temptation. Jesus plainly says, I am going to keep you out of the hour of temptation. His word is clear. Let's not try to change it. Let's just read it as it's written. Amen. We believe the word of God is supernatural. We believe the word of God is exactly as God wants it put down on the pages. He will keep us from the hour of temptation. This is a very specific period of time. It is a controlled unit of measurement, a controlled duration of time. It is not an ongoing occurrence. It is not a reoccurrence. It is an hour of temptation. Of temptation, the Greek word we talked about is parasmos, and it means to get proof of something by means of an experiment or a testing. People don't like the word that God tests the Christians or that God tests his church. He most certainly does. He's got assignments. He's got eternal assignments for us. We were teaching the book of Revelation. We're up to chapter 7 in our Bible study, and we were talking about the great mass of people that have been slain during the tribulation. And we were talking about the fact that they were out. They were in heaven standing before the throne of God. And God has a very specific task for those that were slain during the tribulation. And if you read it, I think it was verse maybe 11 or 12, chapter 7, verse 11 or 12, I think it might have been. And he talks about the fact that they are going to be serving God day and night in his temple. I go, wow. The church isn't going to do that in the future. The church is going to be ruling and reigning with him throughout the universe. But the people that were slain during the tribulation period and have kept their faith and have not denied his name, they will actually be serving like the Levitical priesthood, as it were. They will be serving Jesus in the heavenly temple. God bless them. God doesn't forget about anybody. Hallelujah. Even Jesus faced his hour of temptation, John twelve twenty seven. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause I came unto this hour, which shall come upon the whole world. This is a temptation that will try the world. I don't know if that means it's everybody's individual moment of temptation. I don't know if he's talking about the tribulation. Obviously, these saints of Philadelphia are not going to go through that. They were 2,000 years too early for that. But he's talking about the fact that this is going to come upon the entire world in one form or another. So this is not limited just to the Church of Philadelphia. This is going to test the whole world, it says. There has never been anything known to man in the past where you can point and say this is what that statement meant. So this must be what? Referring to a future event. To try them, the Greek word is perasso. It means to examine or scrutinize. We're going to be tested. We're being tested every day. You know, COVID tests us. Uh, 9-11 tests us as a nation. Uh, suffering tests us as a Christian. There are tests and there are trials that we face all the time. Sometimes God sends them. Sometimes they're because of our own flesh. Sometimes they're demonic. But at the end of the day, God, who doesn't waste anything, will always find an opportunity for us to reveal 
to ourselves where we stand in our faith. He knows where we stand, but he wants us to know where we stand. He loves us. He wants us perfected. He promised he would perfect that which concerns us. He promised he would bring an end. He would cause an end. He would bring to an end those things that are out to destroy us. He promised he would do that. We're his children. Hallelujah. That dwell upon the earth. Let me read that scripture again. We've got a lot of words in that. From the hour of temptation, where did it go? I lost my page. Well, praise the Lord. There it is. Verse 10, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Them that dwell upon the earth is a special phrase. It's actually earth dwellers. And every time he uses it, uh, it's only used nine times, actually. And every time he uses it, it's referring to unsaved people. He will never use those that dwell upon the earth. He will never call saved people earth dwellers. This is not my home. We're visiting here. We are heaven dwellers. We're already seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. But he's using that in reference to those who are unsaved yet. Seven of the nine times that phrase is used, it's in the book of Revelation. So basically what he's saying is whenever and whatever is coming is not coming for us. Don't forget, he's going to use it to try those that dwell upon the earth, not the church. The church is exempt from this type of temptation, but it is ongoing for those who dwell upon the earth who don't know Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 11, behold, that means, wow, behold, I come quickly and hold that fast what you have that no man take thy crown. When Jesus says he's coming quickly, he uses the picture of a runner who is moving as fast as he can in an effort to reach the finish line. There's an urgency by Jesus here to get something done as quickly as possible. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast. Kratos, K-R-A-T-O-S. It's to have a firm, masterful grip. To apprehend, it denotes holding something with strength and power. Hold fast that which you have, that no man take thy crown. Why would Jesus say that? No man take thy crown. If man wasn't after your crown, man's after your crown, saints, get that through your head. Yes, our warfare is spiritual, but just like the adulteress who hunts for the precious life in Proverbs, just like the false teacher or the false prophet in Peter or those who bring destructive heresies, Satan uses them to steal your crown. Jesus says, if you will hold it tightly, it won't be stolen. You know, most don't understand that. We don't know that. They think that they can listen to anything. We can listen to lies. You know, the Bible says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. You're going to lose your blessing when you walk in the counsel of the ungodly. CNN, MSNBC, listen to political speeches that uh, lie to you, that promise you things that aren't happening, that tell you lies about the CDC. They tell you lies about the vaccine, lies about the disease. You are listening to ungodly counsel. When you receive that stuff, when you receive that lies, your crown is at risk. Don't do that. Satan uses all of these, the false prophet, to steal your crown. Jesus says, if you will hold it tightly, it won't be stolen. They think they can listen to anything. We think we can listen to anything. Lies, deception, false teaching. The Bible says the lying tongue hates those that it destroys. The Bible says the lying tongue hates those that it wounds. You got to be careful, man. Lying has a, a price that it takes from you. They think they can listen to anything. Lies, deception, false teaching, worldly counsel, and never give a thought to what's really going on. It's why we're telling you this stuff. We're not trying to scare you. We're trying to prepare you for what's coming down the road. Good news, what's coming down the road is the rapture. 
Bad news, if you miss that, you're going to go through the tribulation. Good news, if you miss the rapture, you still can get saved in the tribulation, but it will cost you your life. Just be prepared. Be prepared. Get out of here on the first bus. Amen? The crown that Jesus says he doesn't want anybody taking from you, it's the Stephanos crown. There's different types of crowns in the Bible. This is the Stephanos crown. It's the victor's crown given to one who achieved victory through discipline, diligence, and commitment. Verse 12, him that overcometh will I make a pillar, I love it, in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. This is promised to overcomers, and it's wonderful. It's verse 12, chapter 3, talking to the saints at Philadelphia that overcome. He starts it off by saying, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. That's great. You know, the church is represented in New Jerusalem. I think it's the Jewish patriarchs. They're called the, the gates. They've got names. Their names are on the gates. And the, the foundation has the names of the disciples on it. And it's fitting that God promises he will make us a pillar in the temple of my God. I love it. And the reference to He shall go out no more. Remember that? We talked about the volcanoes and the earthquakes in the city of Philadelphia. The ancient city of Philadelphia suffered from frequent earthquakes. When a building collapsed in an earthquake, often all that remained standing where the huge pillars were. You had the concrete foundation and you had the pillars. Everything else about the building was just crumbled and it was just trash. Jesus offers us the same strength, the same stability that the pillars represent. He says, when everything else around you is falling down, when everything else around you is crumbling, you will be a pillar. You will be as a pillar. You will be a pillar in the temple of my God. This pillar, it holds up the building. The only thing supporting the pillar is the foundation. True pillars in the church support the church. Well, we've heard that John was a pillar of the church. Peter was a pillar of the church. And they look to Jesus as their support and foundation. Truth is, the church already is a pillar. Do you remember that? What is the church a pillar of? Anybody recall that? It was in Timothy, First Timothy 3.15. But if I tarry long, Paul writing to Timothy, if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how you ought to behave thyself in the house of God. The house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. The church supports truth. That's why false doctrine is so deadly. That's why they're calling them destructive heresies. You are supporting truth. The church supports truth. And when the mayor comes out and says, close down, when the government comes out and says, you can't sing, you can't hug, you can't take communion. When all of that happens, the church needs to rise up and defend truth. The government does not get a voice in the church. The government does not get to tell the church it can pray, it can't pray, it can worship, it can't worship. It can open its doors, it can't close its doors. No, 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 no. That is the role of the church. We are the pillar of truth. When they say homosexuality is fine, when they say gay marriage is great, when they say illegal border crossings are fine, when they say that we're going to take away your tax exemption, when they do all of this stuff, the church needs to rise up and they need to speak the truth concerning these things. Personally, I don't care whether they take the tax exemption away or not, but the fact of the matter is they've already established laws to protect taxing the church, and if that's the truth, the church needs to stand for that. 
They can change the law. That's fine. But at the end of the day, the church need not be hiding the truth. The Bible talks about in Isaiah, truth had fallen in the streets. The Bible talks about God and the prophets. God wants us valiant for the truth. I want to fight for the truth. I want to give you the truth when it's unpopular. I want to give you the truth when it gets you in trouble, when it gets you kicked out of churches, when it gets you blocked from doing radio shows. David Wilkerson, he was telling the people the truth about the dangers that were coming upon them because of their sin, because they hadn't repented of the sin. He was warning them about the feel-good gospel, about the overgraced gospel. He was warning them and telling them. And what happened? The community that he was a part of, the church community, they just blacklisted him. They quit inviting him to teach, and they didn't listen to him. And here we are today. Everything David Wilkerson was talking about, it's just coming true. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Let's see what type of truth. That's right. Understand, the apostasy is the assault on truth. We've established that already. It's both the truth in the church and the truth in the world. Let me give you an example. The truth in the church, God is sovereign. That's a biblical truth that's been around for 2,000 years. That's under assault now. That is a mark of the apostasy. Biblical truth, marriage between a man and a woman, that is under assault. That is part and parcel of the apostasy. Now it's entering into the church. Don't worry about it. Don't get scared. Jesus said it would happen. Okay, truth is under assault. Now there's also truth under assault in the world itself, not necessarily the church. What are you talking about, Ron? Well, look at this. We know, we've been around, I'm 70 years old, I've been around, I know there's men and I know there's women. I'm not an ignoramus. It's obvious. There's men and there's women. Well, now that truth is under assault. They are trying to tell you that there's more than two sexes. They're trying to make uh, young children giving them the right to choose their sex, and we're violating the truths of God that have been around for 6,000 years. And we can't put up with that. We have got to tell the world the truth. They are dying for the truth. Truth be told is, I'm not sure how much the world cares, whether you love them or not right now. They want the truth. They don't understand. They've got love in a box whereby love means you let them do whatever they want. California let their thieves steal their shopping groceries right now. If you see somebody stealing in the grocery store, just let them go. That's amazing. We have so degraded our culture. We have so violated the laws and the commandments of God, let alone natural culture that causes men and women to live together in harmony and peace. If somebody comes in and they want to steal something from you, let them have it. They don't want conflict. You know, it's insured. That's ridiculous. That's asinine. Don't get me started. Amen. So the Bible talks about here that uh, if I tarry long, that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the pillar and the ground of truth. Church, you need to defend truth. How do you defend truth? You speak it. It's very simple. You speak it. You hear somebody say that God made somebody gay. You correct them. No, that's not how God made them. God made them male and female. So he that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and he will go out no more earthquakes uh, the land was not stable and when the earthquakes came the buildings fell Uh, Philadelphia dwellers had to go out they had huts that they lived in during these times and then when the earthquake and the tremors passed they went back into the city that's what Jesus is referencing you won't have to go out anymore you're not going to be living in a house that's fragile you're going to be a pillar in my house saith the Lord hallelujah And what happens is we're going to get the name of God written upon us. I love it. We're going to get a new name. Jesus literally says here, uh, he will go out no more and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem. We knew that, which comes down out of heaven. 
and I will write upon him my new name. So we get the name of God written on us. We get the name of the city of New Jerusalem written upon us. And we get the name of Jesus written upon us. Why? What is the purpose? All of that shows ownership. Don't forget, Satan's going to be marking his people during the tribulation, the mark of the beast, the number of the beast, the number of his name. Well, not so with God. As children of God, we get the name of God. We get the name of the city, New Jerusalem, the eternal dwelling place. And we also get the name of Jesus Christ. We are the trifecta. We have been sealed by the name of God, the name of his uh, eternal place, the city of New Jerusalem, and the name of Jesus Christ. That's high cotton, my friend, but you must overcome. That's the condition. You must overcome. Today, these seven letters are written. We've got one left to go. They should be read in our churches. You need to know that you need to overcome. All of these promises are for overcomers. Jesus doesn't give us a pat on the back and says, good try. He doesn't give us any attaboys. He doesn't give out A's for effort. He expects you to overcome. He's given you his name. He's given you the blood. He's given you the word. He's invested the Holy Spirit of God inside you. You have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have been predestined to have victory in Jesus' name. I'm Ron Garo. We love you. Hope you're enjoying us. We'll be back next week to talk about the church at Laodicea. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.